0: You're listening to Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and this is episode number eight. All right, guys, let's jump right on in. Today, we're talking about acceptance issues, acceptance issues. Um, This is probably perhaps one of the, I would say, the starting point of all good emotional health, all good mental wellness, relational uh, maturity is to deal with this specific issue that we deal with so often about acceptance And so today, as you're listening to this, this is probably going to touch a lot of points in your life. I know it had for me uh, several years ago um, when I was walking through just seeing how much this affected my life in every way. It affected my leadership. It affected my friendships. It affected my ministry. It affected my marriage and my parenting and just my overall emotional well-being and my perspective of life and so today we're going to deal with this and I hope that this will open some things for you but I also hope that it will close some things solidify and seal the deal once and for all it's so important that we take a look at acceptance issues in our lives because it is where all of our living and our perspective and our the way that we handle everything in life deals with this one issue. Um, and we'll start off with the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. What a powerful verse man you need to get a hold of this. We all need to get a hold of this and we need to revisit it often. Because so many of the actions of our lives, the way we live and the way we operate comes from the source of our understanding of acceptance. You know, so many people live for acceptance from other people, and so it affects them. And I would even go as far to say that a lot of people, even myself at one particular time in my life, was enslaved to the need for people to accept me, to validate my gifts, to appreciate and find value in what I did and who I was and, and the titles that I carried and the experiences that I had. And, and it affected me and it, it was a personal war that I had to get a grip on many years ago. If I hadn't done this, God knows where I'd be today. And so again, these podcasts aren't to tell you how to do it, but it's to, to share the things that I've learned in my personal journey that have helped me overcome a lot of obstacles. A lot of times you'll find me getting very vulnerable and transparent in these episodes because I want to share these episodes with you so that you can minimize the crisis or the episodes that you have in your life. And this verse has become a theme verse to me. Because in every area of my life, every area of my life has greatly improved because I begin to settle these things in my life. You know, I I can't help but give God praise. That's how this scripture starts to the praise of the glory of his grace. Grace is, is really the answer to everything. Everyone listen to me. Grace is the answer to everything in your life. It settles it once and for all. It's not by our effort that we gain relationship with God. It's not by our disciplines and our and our actions and our behavior patterns. I've heard I've heard people say that that our behavior determines our closeness with Jesus. Our behavior determines our closeness with God, no friend. We're not saved by our behavior, we're saved by the Savior. He is the foundation of all that we are. He has accepted us into the beloved. We're going to talk about what that word beloved means. We hear that a lot in religious circles. We hear that a lot in uh, Christian speaking and and reading. We hear that word a lot. We're going to break that down a little bit in just a few minutes. But you need to understand that He has made us accepted. It's not what we do for God. It's what he has already done for us. The work is finished, folks. You don't have to strive to maintain your salvation. It's not a salvation that we keep. It's a salvation that keeps us. It's a salvation that is so strong and so solid. You never lose it. You never forfeit it. If you didn't save yourself, you can't unsave yourself. And you have to be so secure in this. And we're gonna talk about this. Here's the problem. A lot of people feel that we can't talk about grace too much or people will take it as a liberty or a license to sin, to stray from God, to abandon our convictions and our morals. And I'm here to tell you today that sin is not birthed out of too much security. Sin is birthed out of insecurity. It's an insecurity of knowing who we are, how solid we have it, how good it is with God, how permanent it is with God. All sin and all immoral behavior comes out of a need for something more than what we already have. It's it's as if we don't understand how much we have with God. We don't understand how good we have it and so we're still searching and still striving. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, sin and immoral behavior is not birthed out of too much security, but but not knowing how secure we truly are, how firm our relationship with Jesus is, how he has sealed the deal, not us. We used to sing this old song and the old account was settled long ago. We believe that we're the ones that paid the debt with God and that The more good we are and the better we are and the better behaved we are, we're adding up points with God and sealing the deal and getting ourselves closer to God. Guys, Jesus is the one who gets all the credit for our salvation. Jesus is the one that gets all of the praise to the praise of the glory of his grace, not our good behavior, not our good works, not our efforts to try to please God. We give all the glory to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. So we're going to talk about five things that we need to understand about this acceptance issue. Acceptance issues is what we're talking about today. And I believe after this podcast today, you're going to have a better grip on who you are and how finished the work truly is in your life. It's so important because it affects everything we do. All right, so let's start with our key verse, Ephesians one, verse six, and I'm going to read from the King James version. I, I typically don't read from the King James version, but I do like the way this this puts it in, in in language we can understand. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. Now we have to we have to to look at this verse, and we have to take it word for word, to the praise of the glory of his grace. So this is where we have to start. We have to start with grace. Grace basically means God's riches at Christ's expense. That means everything that God is, we get through the work and the finished work of Christ. It's not our effort that saves us. It's not our effort that maintains a salvation. It's a salvation that keeps us. It's not a salvation we keep but it's a salvation that keeps us. You can't forfeit it. You can't lose it. If you didn't save yourself, you can't unsave yourself. And what Paul is saying to the Ephesians, he's saying, it's all praise to God's grace. It's the glory of his grace. It's all praise to him, not to me, not my ability to live holy, not my ability to walk uprightly, not my ability to give God my 100% effort, because nobody can give God their 100% effort. You're always going to be deficient in one area or another. Nobody has it all together, but Christ has it all together. And so he's altogether lovely. He's altogether worthy. And Paul's focus here is to tell people that only by the grace of God are you accepted. That has to be number one. So number one, you have to accept your acceptance. You just have to settle it once and for all. You have to stop being anxious about how well you're doing for God and settle the issue of how well he did for you. You see, it's not what you do for God. It's what he has already done for you. And way back a long time ago, when I heard that statement, it's not what I do for God, it's what he's already done for me, that settled it for me. That began to turn my life around. You see, I was one of these people many years ago that tried to do for God and tried to please God and tried to get everybody else to love God better, to praise God better, to do for God better, And I lived in a constant frustration with myself and with others because I was always falling short. I was always falling short in my own life and I would get frustrated with myself. And when I saw others falling up short with God, I would get frustrated with them. My ministry was based on a frustrated, non-settled issue of acceptance with God. I felt like that the whole time I lived was to strive to please God, to make him happy, to smile upon me, to, to... eventually get to the point where he could trust me and that he, he believed in me. And it wasn't, from the, it wasn't from the start. It was a progressive earning with God. Let me say real quickly to you, those of you who may even be questioning what I'm talking right now, grace does not eliminate the need for effort. It eliminates the need for earning with God, to earn his favor, to earn his love, to earn his value in my life. Should we give an effort? Should we live holy? Should we live righteously? Should we do good? Absolutely. But that is not what keeps us saved or gets us to heaven. Our name has been written down in the lamb's book of life and it's permanent. It cannot be erased, it cannot be blotted out. It cannot be changed, it can't be it can't be annulled. He loves us. We're accepted. We're in And a lot of people are like, well, man, Tony, that's pretty bold for you to say that because if you preach grace too much, if you're too liberal with grace, if you're too liberal with this security issue, people will sin. Folks, it's as common common sense as this. Sin is not birthed out of too much security. Sin is birthed out of insecurity. It's that thought in your mind that I could slip up, I could fail, I could lose out with God. And it puts that little bit of fear down in your spiritual DNA that you live by this fear your whole life without knowing it. People will say, I believe God has accepted me. I believe it's permanent. But there's that one little slip up that God's looking for that will that will seal the deal, that will end it for me. But if that's true, then the cross and the blood of Jesus wasn't sufficient enough in itself to do its work It requires that you labor with God to keep yourself in tune and in line with salvation. It's Jesus' blood isn't enough. God's grace isn't enough. Jesus' crucifixion and torture and burial and resurrection is not enough. It still requires something else to be done. And if the work wasn't finished, if his acceptance of you wasn't finished, he wouldn't have said it's finished. He would say, there still remains something to be done. There still remains work for you to do. There still remains something extra added on. But folks, we don't need another savior. We're not our own saviors. We're not our own gods. We're not our own redeemers. We only need one redeemer and his name is Jesus. And if the work is not permanent, if we're not accepted permanently, then there still remains other things that have to be done in his blood was not sufficient. I'm here to tell you today, guys, listen to me. Accepting your acceptance is the starting point of all holy, righteous, full living. It's the starting point of all good emotional health and outlook and perspective. Yes, is there work to be done for God? Yes, is there things we need to do in this earth? Is the gospel need to be shared and spread among all the peoples of the earth? Yes, absolutely but we must get our identity before we accept our responsibility. Let me say that again. We must accept our identity before we accept our responsibility. So many people feel like that if we're not responsible and we don't do the right things, that it will mar the identity that has been made perfect once and for all. How do I know this has been done? The scripture is very, very clear. The scripture is very, very clear about the work being done once and for all. Hey, we've got about 18 minutes left on this episode. I just wanted to take a short break to remind you to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast. These two things really help us bring awareness to this platform, to share this content with more people so they can discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life. Hey, I wanna remind you, you are accepted by grace. That's what we're talking about today. And I hope this just really changes you. This is perhaps one of the most important teachings I've ever done. It's a reoccurring teaching in all of my travels and all of my ministry events. I share this one part with as many people as I can so that they will learn how to live in peace with God, to relax with God, hashtag relax with God. So let's jump back into it. We've got about 18 minutes left. And so let's get it. (music) Hebrews 10 verses 10, 14, and 18 are very clear. Watch this and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 18, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. In other words, you have been saved and accepted and brought in all to the glory of God's grace, his grace alone. You are as solid as Jesus is. Do you think that Jesus has issues with being accepted by God? No. Friend, no, he does not. Jesus knows where he stands with God at all times. And the scripture tells us, if any man be in Christ, he has a new creation. That's a very important concept for you to learn right now, in Christ. You are in him. You're not in yourself anymore. You have now been placed in him and he in you. You are one with Christ. And Jesus knows where he stands with God. Jesus doesn't have fear issues. He doesn't have anxiety separation. He doesn't have concerns about his his authority and his position. The Bible tells us we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means as Christ is seated in authority, so are we. We are right with God. Literally, guys, not just being right with him in a moral sense, but we're right with him. We are with him. We are right beside him. We are with Jesus in heavenly places. We're seated. We can rest. We no longer have to strive and to work and to earn favor and salvation and uh, acceptance with God. We're not accepted on a system of merits and points. It's undeserved. It's grace undeserved. You can't earn it. It was done by him. That's why the scripture tells us in Ephesians 1 and 6, our key verse, to the praise of the glory of his grace. There's nothing in that verse that tells us that it's also up to us, but it's up to God alone. It's up to him and he did it. He finished it. You're just like Jesus with God. 1 John 4 and 17 says, as he is, talking about Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world, in this life, in this sinful life, in this world where there's decay and there's immorality and there's temptation and there's falling. We fall all the time. We mess up all the time, but it tells us that we are not his based on our behavior we are god's based on the savior it's not what a bad sinner we are it's what a good savior he is that's grace and until you settle that issue you will never accept your accept your acceptance this is the starting point of all joyful living great emotional health positive outlook it's knowing that the fight for our acceptance with god is over And guys, let me tell you something. When you accept your acceptance with God, you will do less striving to get it from others because all other people's acceptance is cheap compared to that which God has given us in himself. If nobody else accepts me, if everybody rejects me, my acceptance with God settles it and I can be who I am. I can do what he's called me to do. I can persevere through rejection because I know that he has accepted me. I can rest in my identity instead of striving in responsibility. Because many people, they, they take their responsibility first and they don't know who they are. It's identity before responsibility. We all have that deep emotional need to feel connected or feel valued. And there's many times in my life where people didn't feel value toward me. They didn't think that I, what I had was good enough. I was rejected. I was pushed out. But I'm here to tell you today, I don't strive for people's acceptance nearly half or a sliver as much as I used to because I realize that I'm accepted by God first through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, acceptance is one of the three main needs that we have in life and that was all met through Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? We all have a need for acceptance, significance, and forgiveness acceptance significance and forgiveness or love to be loved and jesus meets all three of those through the acceptance of his son through the blood of his son um i talk to leaders all the time who are still struggling with that preachers and teachers and ministers and i've had people sit in these sessions when i've taught this and tears just come down their eyes Because as I'm ministering this permanent acceptance over their life, to understand 1 John 4 and 17, as Jesus is, so are you. God accepts you just like he accepts his son. And he will never reject his son or turn his son away. And he will never turn you away. When you sin, his love extends out towards you even more. When you fail, God reaches out for you even more. He does not turn away. He does not look at you in disapproval and disappointment. He is always for you. God is not mad at you. He is not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. He does not regret who you are. He loves you. You're at the top of his list. And when you can accept that, I see so many men and women who are still striving to please God. It's sort of like that little child in us. You know, like when you're when you're a little boy, um, I, I, one of the greatest moments in my life when my son was little was when he played T-ball. I loved that. It was one of my favorite seasons of his life. And I would be behind that catcher's backstop and I would be coaching him on saying, go son, go son, you can do it. And, and you'd know, you you'd see a kid hit the ball and run to third base. You know, it doesn't matter. They're out there in the field just having the time of their life. But T-ball is an interesting illustration when you compare it to the need for acceptance. You know, In T-ball, they put the ball on the tee To teach young boys how to keep their eye on the ball, and they're not ready for fast pitch or even slow pitch yet because they haven't learned how to keep their eye on the ball. But what is a little t ball player's greatest moment is when he can turn around and look at mom and dad in the stands. That's that's just everything to a little t ball player. And you know you'll see those little boys out there, and you're like, no, get back in the box, get back in there, hit the ball, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And so then they finally step in. And one of the one of the uh, deficiencies of young hitters is they tend to pull their elbow back and step back out of the box because they're either afraid of the ball or they're uncertain about the ball. Or either they're turning around and waving to mom and dad in the stands. Their attention is not on the ball. And that happens to so many leaders that I talk to. They're still looking in the stands for mom and dad's approval. Or they'll say things from the podium like, Can I get an Amen? Or can somebody shout me down? It's the reason why they say that is because they need that validation. They need that amen. They're having a hard time focusing on the responsibility they have because they haven't yet stepped into full identity. They're they're still striving. And so their their eye is on the stands, or they're uncertain about their call, or they're they're needing that encouragement and needing that validation. But listen, guys, you have been accepted in the beloved by his grace. You can't swing for the fences if you keep looking back at the stands. You've got to keep your eye on the ball. God is in the stands cheering you on. He's spilling his Diet Coke and his hot dogs and popcorn all over the people. He's shouting you down. He thinks you're the best leader. He thinks you're the best father. He thinks you're the best son. He thinks you're the best daughter. Some girls, they never had that opportunity by their dad, their dad never brought them into the front room and said, "Look at my beautiful daughter, look at my princess and they their fathers and their mothers never spoke those af- those words of affirmation and love over them, so they're still trying to out of out of uh, uh, wrongful living to try to get approval and dating the wrong guys and doing things that they never thought they would ever do to try to get approval in relationships, but you are accepted in God's love by the grace of Jesus. You have been considered beloved. What does that word beloved mean? Number two, you need to know you are God's most loved. Did you know that? That's what the word beloved means. It means most loved. So number one, we need to accept our acceptance. Number two, you need to know you are God's most loved. That's really what beloved means. It's a fancy King James word. That means two different things. It means you are more loved than anyone else and you are most loved or highly loved or greatly loved. So it has both of those connotations. Now, John, one of the disciples of Jesus was an interesting character because he literally believed that. How do we know that? Well, when you read the book of John in most Bibles, it will say the book of John, the beloved disciple. And who wrote the book of John? Well, of course, John wrote the book of John. But he self titled the book, The Most Loved Disciple, The Beloved Disciple, The Most Loved Disciple. He really believed that Jesus loved him more than the other disciples. And when you study his life, you see that he really believed that. Um, he was with Jesus all the time, he was right beside him at the Last Supper. He was wherever Jesus went, he was right there. He was kind of Jesus' pet, so to speak and he had this revelation his his belief system was that he really believed that he was the most loved of all the other disciples and where was john when all the disciples left jesus what, what 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 where where was he he was right with jesus all the other disciples had they fled they took off in the garden when the soldiers came to arrest jesus but not john john went with jesus How do we know that when Jesus was on the cross, he looked down at his mother and John was the only disciple that was there. And Jesus looked at John and said, please take care of my mother. This is the responsibility I'm giving you. Now look at the responsibility that he would now have to take care of his most loved person on the earth, his mother. Jesus looked at John and said, I'm giving you this important job. Why? Because John knew his identity. He knew that he was the most loved disciple. Who wrote the book of Revelation? John the disciple. John was exiled on the island of Patmos, and while he was there imprisoned, he wrote the revelation of Jesus. John truly had a revelation of Jesus because he understood his acceptance. He understood that he was the most loved disciple, and he truly believed that. He was boiled in oil and he was the only disciple that survived out of all the other martyrs he survived the 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 persecution see what happens when you understand that you are truly accepted by god you've accepted your acceptance and number 2 you know you are god's most loved you can endure fiery persecution and you will go wherever jesus takes you you will you will go to the heights with him and you will go to the depths with him because it doesn't matter You know that you're loved by him. You know you're the most loved disciple and you can persevere through dangerous times. You can go through anything with God because you believe that you're truly the most loved disciple. Uh, When Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, 17, it says, "'A voice out of the heavens said, "'This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased.'" And folks, Jesus needed to hear that affirmation from his father. He needed to hear God say, you are my most loved son. And see what happened when he knew he was most loved, that voice, the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit was descending out of the heavens upon the head of his son. What happens when we know that we are most loved? There's an open heaven with God. There's this relationship that we have that, and and if you notice This affirmation was publicly given to Jesus before he performed his first miracle, before he taught his first sermon, before he assembled his team, before he entered into ministry, he had to hear his heavenly father say, I accept you. I love you. You're my most beloved son. I am well pleased with you. You don't even have to do anything and I love you and I'm pleased with you. This is the beloved relationship that we must have as men and women we must understand that we are affirmed completely and fully because what's going to happen is we're going to go to a lot of wildernesses in our lives notice that jesus was immediately led into the wilderness after his public affirmation see if we don't get this affirmation part of our life right when we get in the wilderness of our life where it's quiet where it's dry where the enemy harasses us and antagonizes us and and lies to us, and speaks these lies, and this deception in our mind, and it gets to be where we feel lonely in those times. If we haven't accepted our full affirmation by God, we'll lose it in the wilderness, because we're going to go from the water of affirmation to the wilderness of accusation all the time in our life, and we have to continually return back to the place of affirmation where god says you're my beloved son you're my beloved daughter keep your eye on the ball quit looking back at what the people think about you quit looking back at what others say or don't say good or bad receive all your affirmation from me number one accept your acceptance number two know you are god's most loved when jesus was being tempted in the wilderness satan said if you are god's son." but he left out that important word, most loved, beloved, because Satan will try to make us forget that we're already highly loved. We're as saved as we'll ever be. We're as redeemed as we'll ever be. We're as holy and righteous as we'll ever be. And we no longer have to strive out of of self-effort to please God, to get his approval, because we get 100% approved from day one and we never lose it. That's all the time we have left today. I just want to go back to that one little phrase I said, you can't lose it. That's hard for some Christians to believe. But if you didn't start it, you can't finish it. If you didn't save yourself, you can't unsave yourself. And you know, I talk a lot more about these grace issues that we've been covering on my YouTube channel. So go search for my YouTube channel, Tony Sutherland, um, and I take people through the journey of grace. That's my, that's my mantra. That's my life. That's my story. And so I, everything that I teach is infused with acceptance and grace and finished work. Um, I believe that points us in the right direction, gives us confidence. Cast not away your confidence for it has great reward. Hey, listen, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope it blessed you. Three things, subscribe, leave a review, and share it with as many people, but at least one or two people that need to hear what you've heard today. And so until next time, we'll see you.